Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Unique relationship. They like to joke around a lot, okay? They like to goof around with each other. They like to just have fun. And uh, again, very unique relationship. So one day, mom came in. And kind of in the distance, in the foyer area, kind of a, there was a large foyer area still at that time, I guess. In the, lar- in, the, in the foyer area, she saw her son talking to somebody. And, and she saw the back, of, you know, the back of him, and that's all she could see. And so she thought, you know, I'm going to walk up to him. And I'm going to kind of give him a pinch on the backside. He was talking to another individual. And she thought, nobody else can see this. I'll kind of walk up, give him a pinch on the backside and just see what happens. Again, they had this, they played jokes on each other all the time. They kind of were practical jokers. This is just the type of relationship that they had. You get what I'm saying here? So she did that. She, she saw him and she saw, you know, the, the, the back of his head and everything. And so she kind of walked up to him and she pinched his backside and, you know, when she did that, of course, he kind of went, whoa, you know, kind of like that. That was the response that she had hoped for. And that happened. And when she turned around, I mean, excuse me, when he turned around, she realized that that wasn't her son. Yeah. Wasn't her son. No. In fact, it turned out to be a first-time guest. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a first-time guest here today, that won't happen to you. Just kind of want to just put that out there. I'm sure that will not happen. This is not the way you're greeted at Encounter Church. But what do you do with that? I mean, you know, to, I mean, I'm sorry just isn't good enough. You know, at those moments, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Is this the way you treat people when they come in? I heard that person never came back. I wonder why. True story. Crazy story. To say that, you know, mom failed in that moment. How many of you would agree? Mom failed. Mom missed the mark. She messed up. You know, she blew it. And the truth of the matter is, we all mess up at times. Maybe not in that exact same way. But we all blow it. None of us, you know, are perfect. That's just the way it is, right? And sometimes... You know, when we fail, when we mess up, the choices and decisions that we make, some have a larger impact than others. You know, it could be a failed marriage. Uh, It could be a financial disaster, some decisions that we made. And it just turned out to be disastrous from a financial perspective. It could, it could be relational. Maybe there's just there's a relational fallout with some family members. They were close at one time, and some things happened, and it just splintered the relationship. And maybe even to this day, you know, there, there's a fallout from that. You're still recovering from those kinds of things. Or it could be uh, drugs and addictions. Maybe you've messed up with drugs and addictions. Maybe you're struggling with some of those things right now. Maybe it's a temper. You know, your temper has got you into trouble. You know, and it's caused some serious damage in one way or another. Or maybe, maybe a missed opportunity. You know, sometimes it's not what we do, but it's what we don't do, right? We fail to take advantage of an opportunity that's right in front of us. And I, I've talked to people, and, and they've, they've experienced that. And, man, they live with regret over that missed opportunity for years and years and years. You know, they just think about this, if only I would have, you know, done, if only I would have, and you can fill in that blank. Right? We could all probably do that in so many ways. A missed opportunity. We failed to take advantage of an opportunity. Or maybe, you know, just falling away from God. You had a great relationship with Him. You've, you kind of fell away. Maybe you're at that moment right now. Maybe you made some bad judgment calls 
on something that cost you, cost your family certain ways, or maybe you said something, you know, you really regret. Could have happened yesterday. <laughs> Could have happened last night. Could have happened today before you came here. Or you didn't take advantage of, again, you know, something that came your way. It, it could be anything. And for all of us, we fall into at least one of those categories. We could say, yeah, this is, yeah, this is me. Or I, you know, I think about even this past week and some, some of those, I said some things I, I regretted, I shouldn't have said. I probably, you know, lost my temper with my family a little bit too much. And, you know, I fall in these categories as well. The, the truth is none of us are perfect. And, and sometimes, you know, I think it's easy to believe that God is, is able to take failures and to give second chances. And, and sometimes I think it's easy for us to believe that God is able to take the failures of other people and give those other people second chances. And we tend to believe that. But sometimes when it comes to us personally, we tend not to believe that God would give us a second chance. I think it's easier for us to believe that on other people's behalf rather than our own. In theory, yeah, yeah, God will, he'll redeem us. He'll, he'll take other people's mistakes and give them second chances, but will he do it for me? Will he really do it in my life? You know, will he kind of redeem my faults and failures? Will he really give me second chances? Mulligans, if you will, <laughs> you know, startovers? In certain areas, do I deserve that? We often feel like we don't deserve that, that we're not good enough. You know, I veered off course. I don't know. Can I really get back on track? Is it too late? How do, how do I recover? You know, when I slip up, how can God use me? How can God use some of the mistakes that I've made to kind of launch me into my future? How do I stop walking in guilt over my past mistakes? You know, I think these are things we struggle with. I think a lot of us struggle with these things quite frequently. And we're going to talk about these things here today for the next few moments. But there's one primary thing I want you to understand more than anything else today, and that's this. Failure is never final when it comes to God's involvement in our lives. Okay? Failure is never final when it comes to God's involvement in our lives. Now, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about a story. Uh, there's a story that's, that's told in the Bible and I want to kind of give you some background of this story, all right? And some of the things the scholars believe that kind of took place within this story, the story within the story. And there was, there was a man named Simon, and he was a religious leader at that time, all right? And he was probably a pretty well-off individual, had probably had quite a bit of money. And one day he decided to host a banquet at his house. And so he had the kind of house and the kind of facility where this, where this could take place. He was a, a well-known individual, again, from the scholar's perspective. They really think a lot of people knew this guy, pretty influential in what he did uh, in, in the, the area in which he lived. And so he had an agenda with this banquet that he was going to throw. He, of course, he had a lot of his friends that were coming, a lot of the influential people that he knew and that he connected with. But but he also had on the guest list a certain individual that wasn't there for the purpose of honor, but he was inviting this individual to kind of point him out, to call him out, to actually dishonor him. That particular guest's name was Jesus, Jesus Christ. 
He was going to invite Jesus to this banquet because he was actually probably jealous of Jesus because Jesus was kind of busting in on his scene and he was kind of gathering a following and and it was kind of taking some of his followers away and he was doing some of the things that were kind of anti-establishment, you know. He wasn't following the rules and the the religious protocols of his day. And Simon didn't like that and his friends didn't like that either. And so they wanted to bring Jesus to this banquet to kind of call him out and to kind of dishonor him and to try to dissuade people from joining him, to try to pull him down when it kind of seemed like he was rising up. So that was the agenda, with Simon inviting Jesus to this banquet, really having this banquet, period. But, but nevertheless, he, he really wanted to make this nice, because when he did things, he wanted to make sure it was done well. So I can just kind of see all of his servants, you know, making sure the place is properly cleaned, and I can just kind of see all the tables set up properly, and the, and the place settings done just right. Maybe the best of the best was brought out with the, 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 the dishes that, they were, that the food was going to be served on. I can kind of, you know, think of the cooks in the kitchen preparing everything, making it just right, the, 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 the best food possible that could be served. And so all these preparations are being made. But again, the purpose of this banquet is really to interrogate Jesus, to point him out, to call him out, to bring him down, because they didn't like what he was doing. They were jealous. He was infringing on their their territory. And so as people were to come into a banquet, there were several customs that would take place. And this banquet was very true of of these customs as well. When somebody would come in, one of the things that would happen is the host would come up to that individual and they would kiss them on the cheek just as a greeting. It was just their custom to greet people that way. All right. Second thing that would happen is there would there would be a servant that would come out and a servant would, would bend down and the servant would begin to wash the feet of those who just came in. Because in that culture, people wore sandals, and most of the roads they walked, they walked from place to place. They were dirty. They were just dirt roads. And so when you came in from wherever you were to wherever you were going, your feet were always dirty, guaranteed. And if it was raining, they'd be even more dirty, maybe mud on your feet. So the servant would kind of bend down and wash the feet of those who came in. And then the the, the third uh, custom is that there would be some, some anointing oil or some like a perfume, like a fragrant type of incense or oil that was placed on the head of those who came in to kind of refresh them, make them feel good, make them smell better. If they were sweaty, they probably needed this. You know, so there, was, there were these three customs that would typically happen. All right? And so I can just see people as they were walking into this banquet, again, a high-end kind of a banquet hall right there in Simon's place. And... You know, the, the food is all ready and everything's just perfect. And the first guest comes in and Simon goes over to the guest and kisses him on the cheek because that's the culture custom in that day. And then I can see the servant coming over and bending down and, and washing that person's feet and getting it all clean. And then, and then next I can just see them pouring a little oil, refreshing fragrance on that person as they go to their seat and prepare to eat. And this happened one after another. Every person who came in. This is what was done. Then all of a sudden, Jesus walks through the door. And again, because he's really not the guest of honor, he's the guest of dishonor. As he walks in the door, I could just kind of imagine what may have taken place. I mean, I, I could imagine that Simon may have leaned over to a couple of his friends and kind of pointed and said, ah, there's Jesus, look at him. He thinks we're going to honor him. But little does he know. 
it's going to be the exact opposite. I can, I can hear, you know, people just kind of whispering, kind of pointing him out. And so I'm sure Jesus, knowing the customs, kind of went over to Simon and kind of bent down for that customary kiss just to honor that custom. And Simon may have even kind of gone up to Jesus and then just kind of turned away with a little, you know, sarcastic smile on his face. Like, yeah, he thought I was going to give you that greeting, but not going to happen. And people may have looked at that and kind of went, whoa, look at that, man. Here we go. A little mockery on the table. A little mockery starting to happen here. And then I can just see maybe a servant just doing their routine, knowing what they're supposed to do, maybe went over to Jesus, began to bend down and wash his feet. And I could see Simon kind of stepping in and saying, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, not him. And, and everybody, maybe some who didn't really know what was going on, might have looked at this and went, whoa, what's going on here? Now it's starting to get a little awkward. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, a little tension going on here, a little tension happening. Oh, Jesus is being dishonored, making some people feel a little uncomfortable, but making Simon feel pretty good. And then maybe they were about to pour the anointing oil on Jesus, and again, Simon interjected, no, no, not for him. It's for everyone else, but not for Jesus. And so these signs that didn't happen were clearly an effort to dishonor Jesus, to kind of dethrone what he was doing. Can you follow what I'm saying? This is what was taking place at this banquet. And custom tells us, when you do some study about this, custom tells us that in many banquet situations like this, because there wasn't this type of entertainment, <laughs> movies and, and, you know, things of this nature in their culture, uh, having a banquet like this in a rich person's home or, or a banquet that a rich person was throwing, it was kind of the talk of the town. Like, word spread. Like, this was happening. And again, because there wasn't a lot of forms of entertainment, there was like a special seating area for those who weren't invited, and they could watch <laughs> the banquet. They were the, on the outside looking in. Again, I know, kind of desperate, you know, when you don't have a lot of entertainment, I guess. But so there was this like, you know, seating area where the people who weren't invited could kind of come and maybe try to listen in. What's the conversation? Or, or wow, look at the piece of meat they're about to eat. Whoa, check it out. I don't know what they talked. But again, they could just watch the banquet that was going on. Evidently, this was the case in this scenario. There was this like, you know, cheap seats, if you will, where some people were, were sitting. And there happened to be this woman that was watching what was going on in this scenario. She was an uninvited guest, but, but, she, but she probably saw every single thing that didn't happen to Jesus or that did happen to Jesus to dishonor him. And I want to pick up and read some scripture right here. We can, we can throw that on the screen. Luke chapter 7, uh, verse, verse 37 and, and 38. I'll read this here. It says, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, that's Simon, again, a religious leader of that day, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, Here's what you have to understand. This woman saw what was going on, okay, saw what was not happening with Jesus. And she just couldn't 
stand it. She wasn't invited to this banquet. Now, let me just kind of go a little bit further. Women were never invited to these types of banquets in that culture. They really didn't value women the way they should have. They didn't value women in that culture, so they would never be invited to this kind of banquet. And on top of that, you know, uh, the Bible says here she had, had lived a sinful life. Many scholars think that she was the town prostitute. So this was scandalous. She was the town prostitute. This is what people think, really, that, that she was. So you have this person that probably everybody knew in this town. Number one, she wasn't invited. Number two, she was a woman, and in that culture, that just wasn't appropriate because they didn't value women. And then number three, she was the, the, the person that everybody knew as the town prostitute. I mean, they knew that she was the one who slept around. They knew she just kind of threw her body at men. Everybody knew this. So when she kind of moved over from the cheap seats to go towards Jesus, I can only imagine the people were going, what is she doing? I mean, they had to be talking to each other, pointing at her, going, this is that sinner. I mean, this is the prostitute, and she's busting in on the banquet. Who does she think she is? What is her problem? I mean, everybody probably had to be pointing. They may have been gasping. They may have been laughing because they couldn't believe this was taking place. Culturally inappropriate, you know, in so many different ways for them. But the thing I like about this woman is that she made a bold move towards Jesus. I think it's so amazing that in spite of all those things, she didn't let anybody stop her from making a bold move towards Jesus. You know, she couldn't, cont- it's almost like she couldn't contain herself. Like she was watching the injustice that was happening to Jesus, the dishonor that was taking place. And it's like she couldn't contain herself any longer. And she basically said, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to make a bold move towards Jesus. And she just got up from where she was and she busted in on the scene, no matter how culturally inappropriate no matter what people were saying about her, no matter that she was a town prostitute, no matter that her life was wrecked, no matter that she was messed up, man, she made a bold move towards Jesus. And guess what? Jesus accepted her. Out of all the people there, he accepted her. This blows my mind. I mean, this blows me away when I, when I think about this. I think there's some things we can learn from her in this situation. And the first one is this. We can put that on the screen as well, don't let failure paralyze you. Think about it. This woman, she could have been paralyzed by failure. Her life was failure. The town prostitute, she was scandalous. She slept around. She probably had nothing, no, no other form of, of income. I mean, she was, she was a messed up person. She could have easily let the failure of her life and that everybody, the, she was branded a sinner. She was branded the town prostitute. She could have let all those things paralyze her or keep her from going to Jesus. She could have had a million excuses running through her mind, but you can't approach him because you just did this last night and last week you did. And then, you know, you know what I'm talking about when you, these thoughts that go through our mind, you can't do this because you failed here, because you failed there. She could have let all those things keep her from coming to Jesus, but she didn't. She went past those things to pursue Jesus, and I think it's so interesting that, that what she did to Jesus in that moment was everything that Simon didn't do. She did everything to honor Jesus, 
because Simon didn't do those things to honor him. I mean, think about what we just read. The Bible said, so she, she cried. She, she was weeping, and she cried her tears on the feet of Jesus. Because remember, the servants didn't wash his feet. So she was using her tears to wash his feet. Then she evidently had long hair. And she took her hair and began to clean the feet of Jesus. Because the servants didn't do that to Jesus. So she was honoring him by doing this. Then, then it says, then she kissed him, not, not in a romantic kind of way, because remember, Simon didn't give him that kiss, that customary kiss, so she recognized that, so she kissed him to honor him. And then the Bible says she took perfume and she poured it on Jesus because they didn't pour that fragrance on him to refresh him. So this woman did everything to Jesus that Simon didn't do. Everything. Because she wanted to honor him. She made this bold move towards Jesus. And you know what? For us, we have to battle these same things. When we fail, when we mess up, there can be this immediate guilt and immediate feelings of unworthiness. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Look at what I did. We're reminded of what we did yesterday, last week, the week before, two years ago, three years ago, whatever. And when we're reminded of this guilt and unworthiness because we messed up in whatever way it is, we feel like that, well, I can't come to Jesus. Or Jesus is going to accept me. Or I can't even... I can't even become saved or invite him into my life if you've never taken that step before. Because look at my past. He won't accept me. Maybe other people who've lived a good life, yeah, but not me because if you just knew what I did. Or maybe if you've already come to Jesus, maybe you've known him for a long time, when we, when we mess up or fail in some way, that guilt, that unworthiness still comes, but, but it can easily keep us from coming to church. I talked to so many people, and they said, "Yeah, I haven't been, uh, you know, I haven't been to church in a long time because I felt guilty about da 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 da." And they lay these things out. It can keep us from coming to Jesus. It can keep us from praying when we when we mess up or when we fail. We feel like, "How can I even pray? Is Jesus going to hear my prayers? How does He feel about me?" I, we feel like we can't even pray. Then we feel like we can't even worship. I don't even know if I can sing this song. I don't know if I can even lift my hands because of, look what I did. I feel unworthy to worship. Or how can I even, how can I share Jesus with somebody else when, when three days ago I, I did this? Or how can I share Jesus with somebody else because I'm really not nearly as good as so-and-so? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? All these excuses. How can I even read the Bible? Because I just did this and all these the guilt, the unworthiness comes to us and it paralyzes us from connecting with Jesus. You ever been there before? It paralyzes us spiritually. Honestly, I think this is the tool of the enemy. This is a tool uh, that the devil likes to use against us to keep us away from Jesus. Because guess what happens? When we, when we fall to that, that paralysis and that unworthiness and that guilt or whatever, it moves us further away from the answer, which is Jesus Christ. It moves us further away from the person that we need to connect with. 
We choose not to because we're, we're guilty and we're unworthy and we feel all these things that it moves us further away. And some of you may be here right now. Man, you may, have, you may be in that spiritual paralysis kind of zone where you're holding back and you really feel like you can't pray or you really feel like you can't give your all to God and you really, you're holding back with maybe serving. You feel like you can't serve here at, at church and at counter. Who am I if you just knew what I did? Or maybe you feel like you can't share Christ or maybe you're, you've really been paralyzed spiritually. You've been holding back. You haven't had aggressive faith or whatever it is for you. But I want to let you know that Jesus wants to meet with you no matter what. Just like this woman. He wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you. But we get in this cycle. We get in this cycle of, okay, maybe I haven't messed up in a little while, so I feel close to Jesus, but then I mess up, and, oh, now I'm really far away, and i got to wait until I come back, you know, because I'm just not worthy, I'm not worthy. And, you, and you, there's this feeling like you have to get it right before you come to Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus got it right for you because he knew we couldn't get it right for ourselves. You don't have to get things right before you come to Jesus. He got it right for you when he came to this earth and he died on the cross and then he rose again from the dead on the third day. And, and, and that when we accept that, he forgives us of all of our sins, of all of our past, of all of our mess-ups, of all of our, of our failures. He wipes that slate clean. He got it right for us because he knew we couldn't get it right on our own. So when you mess up, Don't let it hold you back from anything to do with Jesus. Don't let it hold you back from serving. Don't let it hold you back from praying, from pursuing him. Why? Because he got it right for you so that you could just go straight to him. That's what this woman did. He got it right for her because he knew she couldn't do it on her own. She made a bold move towards Jesus. And what did he do? He accepted her. When you make a bold move towards Jesus, even after you mess up, He accepts you. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't turn his back on you. In fact, what I've seen, the the quicker we move towards Christ, the quicker we take those steps that we feel we're too guilty or too unworthy to take, the quicker we take those steps, the sooner it breaks that spiritual paralysis in our life. It just breaks through it, even though we feel like we can't do it. And some of you are here today, and you need to just take some radical steps towards Christ. And do some things that you feel like you're not worthy to do. But you need to take those steps because it will break through that spiritual paralysis just like this woman did. All right? Let's go to the next thing here. The next thing I love about this story and I think that it teaches us is that the greater the failure, the greater the forgiveness. Let's say that together. The greater the failure, the greater the forgiveness. Say that again. The greater the failure, the greater the forgiveness. Yeah. Luke 7, 47, we're kind of going down a little bit in this passage through 48. And Jesus said this. He said, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves just a little bit. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. I mean, he wanted to make it. He wanted to make a statement. He wanted to make it clear. Your sins are forgiven. You know, grace and forgiveness is always bigger than failures. The grace and forgiveness of God, of Jesus, it is always bigger 
than your failures. Forgiveness always exceeds the failure. You know, when Jesus came and he died on the cross because he loved you so much, and even if you haven't quite made this decision yet, you can make this decision today and say, I want to I receive that. I want my, my sins to be forgiven, my past to be forgiven. You can make that decision today. That's why he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And those of us who've already made that decision, we need to understand that at that moment when he, rose, when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, not only was it about forgiving our past, but he also forgave our future. All, the, all the, the failures that we will commit, he still forgives those things. That doesn't mean we just go out and we live how we want to live. We just, hey, pile up as many sins as I can. No, no, the Bible says, should I keep on trying to sin so that grace would increase? Then, then Paul, the writer of that, that scripture, he said, no, 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 you got it wrong. That's not what we're supposed to do. But the more we understand that his forgiveness is there, the more freedom we have to live for him. It's guilt-free living for Jesus. The more we want to love him, the more we want to serve him. That's really the heart behind that. But forgiveness always exceeds the failure. You know, this scripture, you know, it says, I tell you her many sins have been forgiven. It doesn't say, well, yeah, she has a few. No, no, no. Jesus acknowledged she got a, she screwed up. She's messed up. Not, Not saying she's not. She's messed up. Many sins. I mean, he threw that in there. Her many sins. I just want to let you know, she has many sins. But then he said, guess what? They're forgiven. They're forgiven. As many as they are, they're still forgiven. There's a story uh, of someone that I know. She told me this probably several months ago. She gave me the ability to, to tell this story. Her name is Darlene. And Darlene was a rebellious teenager. Um, she was kicked out of her house. Uh, her life began to, to really be messed up. She began to live with a single lady, and they began to drink together. They partied. They had guys over their house every evening, so you can kind of get the picture of what this is becoming. And more and more guys and more ladies began to show up at this house as time went on. Darlene didn't realize it, but they were beginning to groom her for prostitution without her really knowing this, kind of doing this behind her back a little bit. Then one night, the police came to to this house where she was uh, staying and all this was happening. The police came that night, and they arrested everybody there for prostitution. Even though she was, it was in the beginning stages of this, she was kind of unaware of what was going on. But this this prostitution arrest uh, stayed on her record, and she was very ashamed about this. Happened as a teenager, as a young, as a young, young lady. Okay, now we're going to fast forward many, many years, decades. We're going to fast forward, I don't know how long, until she accepted Christ, but she she accepted Christ into her life, and she was totally changed. She she got married, and then her and her husband began to reach out to to children in need, and uh, they began to foster hurting kids, and they just filled their home with a lot of kids and began to love on them. Now, now we hit that, that time 40 years later, 40 years after this arrest took place, all right? This prostitution accusation, this prostitution arrest took place 40 years later after her and her husband had just poured their life into kids and fostered them and done so many good things. She had to go to court to help out with one of the kids she was fostering. And while she was there, a lawyer really began to dig up records on her. And the lawyer found out that 40 years ago, 
She was arrested for prostitution, and this prostitution arrest stayed on her record. And the lawyer wanted to bring this up in the courtroom. And this lawyer was really pressing to do this and to verbalize this in front of everybody and in front of this situation. And Darlene knew this, and all of a sudden she got incredibly fearful because she had never told her husband about that part of her life. She had never told her kids. She had never told her family. And she had never told another single living individual about that part of her life. Because it was so painful to her. It was so, she felt such shame and guilt over what had happened. And so at this moment, when this was about to come to the surface, she again felt shame, uh, scared and ashamed. And, and she felt devastated that this was going to come out about her and how was this going to you know, impact her family and all these questions began to come to her mind. And in that courtroom that day, When the lawyer was about to bring this up, the lawyer kept pressing the judge. Judge, I need to tell you something. There's something on Darlene's record. I need to get this out there. It's relevant to this situation. It happened 40 years ago. And the the lawyer was pushing really hard. All of a sudden, the judge looked at the lawyer. And the judge says, the judge, she said, put up their hand. And the judge says, not a word. Darlene has been cleared and she is fine in the eyes of this court. The judge put up their hand and said, not a word. Not a word. Darlene is fine, and she is okay. She is cleared in the eyes of this court. Let me tell you something. That is exactly what Jesus has done for us. He has cleared us. If we've accepted him and asked him into our life, he has cleared you. He has cleared me. He has cleared us and done away with our past failures as if they had never, ever existed. Or again, maybe you haven't, you've never taken that step. You can take that step today, and Jesus will clear you of your past failures, of your shortcomings. Man, I'm telling you, this is good news. Now, when the devil tries to bring up the memories of your past, whether it's a week ago, whether it's a year ago, 10 years ago, or decades ago, when you are reminded and, and, and guilt is, try, is attempted to, to, to be thrown on your life or unworthiness is attempted to be thrown on your life, when these moments happen, <laughs> you can say the same thing that the judge said in that courtroom. Because the Bible tells us the devil, he accuses us. He tries to throw these things back in our face. So when these thoughts come back to us, we can say the same thing the judge said on Darlene's behalf. We can say, you know what? Not a word. I have been cleared and I am forgiven in the name of Jesus. That's what you can say. Because Jesus has done that for you. When those things come back to you, you say, no, 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 not a word. Not a word of my past. Not a word of my failure. Not a word of my guilt. Not a word of my unworthiness. Not a word of my shortcoming. Not a word of my screw-up. Not a word of that because I have been cleared and forgiven because of Jesus Christ. That's what you can do. That's what you can say when those things come back in your life. So let me tell you. You know what? Stop living in guilt. Stop living in shame. Stop living in unworthiness. Stop living in all that. Some of you you here, you may be feeling that. You may be experiencing that. Stop living in that because God's not putting that on you. You don't have to live that anymore. 
When God sees you, he sees you as cleared because of what Jesus Christ has done. He sees you cleared. He sees you clean and somebody that he deeply, deeply loves. Why? Because his forgiveness is always greater than your failure. Isn't that good news? His forgiveness is always greater than your failure. Then the, the final thing, the last thing I love about this, we can put that on the screen too. God can turn your failures into fresh starts. He's a master at this. Several verses down in Luke chapter 7, verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There were several things Jesus was saying to her. He was basically saying, you know what? Okay, I have forgiven you. Okay, now go in peace. I think he was telling her, you know what? Forgive yourself. Go in peace. Have peace about this whole thing. Don't have anxiety. Man, don't don't bring this stuff back up because I've forgiven you. Now you need to go in peace. You need to have peace. You need to forgive yourself. How many of you know sometimes we say, okay, yeah, Jesus forgave me, but we have a problem forgiving ourselves when we fail, when we mess up, when we screw up, whatever it is. Well, Jesus is telling you the same thing. He's saying, go in peace. Forgive yourself. Jesus forgave you. So forgive yourself. Stop beating yourself up over past failures. Jesus is not beating you up over past failures. So you need to stop beating yourself up over past failures. Have you ever been to like Chuck E. Cheese or, or I don't know, like a, some, some gaming area? Maybe even Dave and Buster's. They might have this in more of the kid game type of an area. But there's this game traditionally called Whack-A-Mole. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, there's these little, little, these little animal creatures that are moles, and there's holes in this game. There's like six of them. And the moles will pop out, and you have this big stick. You have this club. And every time they pop up, you're supposed to whack them. Anybody ever seen that game before? Yeah, you beat those moles. If you, if you ever need to let out some anger, it's a good game to play, you know? And so I've played that game before. You know, the moles come out, and you're like, Boom, 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 boom. You just whack those things. Sometimes this is, this is what we do with ourselves. You know, we, God's forgiven us. Then we just finally get our head above the hole. And then we, boom, we beat ourselves back down. We don't forgive ourselves. We, boom, we whack ourselves. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm going Then finally we get, come up above the surface. And we, boom, we beat ourselves down because we don't forgive ourselves. You know what? Stop playing whack-a-mole with yourself. Don't do that. God's not beating you up like that, so stop beating yourself up. He's saying the same thing to you that he told this woman. Go in peace. You know, the other thing I think he's saying is, you know, stop living in the past. Embrace the future. He told her, he said, go, go in peace. Basically, he was telling her, this is a new season of your life. This is a new time of your life. Don't live in the past. Live in the future. It's a new season. Believe it. Declare it. Just say this with me. Say, this is a new season in my life. It begins today. Yeah. And you, when, you, when you don't believe that, you need to say that. This is a new season in my life. God gives us new seasons. He gives us new times. And say that. And I also believe he was telling this woman, your greatest days are ahead. They're not behind you, but they're ahead of you. And he's telling you the same thing, too. Some of you, you need to believe this because you haven't believed this in a long time. You felt like because of my mistakes, probably my opportunities are really behind me. My, be- my best days are behind me. But you know what? Not true. Not true. 
Your best days are ahead of you. Your best days have yet to be told. Your best days have yet to be read. In fact, many people do their greatest works after their greatest failures. I want to read this to you as we close here today. This is a story about Thomas Edison. And the story says this. It says this true, true story. Thomas Edison invented the microphone, the phonograph, the incandescent light, the storage battery, talking movies, and more than a thousand other things. December 1914, he had worked for 10 years on a storage battery. This had greatly strained his finances. This particular evening, a fire broke out in the film room. Within minutes, everything went up in flames. Fire companies from eight surrounding towns arrived, but the heat was so intense that everything was destroyed. Edison was 67 years old. Everything he owned went up in flames, in the flames of that fire. The next morning, Edison looked at the ruins and he said, There is great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start brand new. Three weeks after the fire, Edison managed to deliver the very first record player ever invented, or the very first phonograph ever invented. What's the point? God can turn your failures into fresh starts. That's what he does. And remember, your best days are still ahead of you. Your best days are still ahead of you. Let's all close our eyes. Bow our heads across this place here today. Just get an alone moment with God. Have a moment with just you and God. Your eyes are closed. Your heads are bowed. And because I don't know everybody in here today, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. If you're here, and we've mentioned many times how Jesus came and he loved you so much. He died on the cross. And he rose again from the dead because he loved you. And he wanted a relationship with you. And he bled real blood. And that blood that he bled, the Bible tells us, was for the forgiveness of our mistakes, our wrongs, our sins, our mess-ups. And if you've never looked at that and said, you know what, I believe that you did this, Jesus. And I want to commit my life to you. I want to receive your forgiveness. Just like this woman in the Bible that we just talked about today. Maybe you have a past that's messed up like hers. Or maybe... You've done some just great religious things, but now you realize that wasn't enough because nothing you can do can get you this relationship with Jesus. It's a free gift that you have to accept. So today, if you're unsure that you've made this commitment to Jesus or you know that you haven't, whatever the case is, when I count to three, if you want to know you're forgiven, raise your hand on three. One, two, three. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Raise your hand again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Others, if you're here, if you say, that's me, I want to I know for sure that I have that relationship with Jesus. It's beautiful that, that hands are being raised. Let's all, let's all pray this prayer together. Every one of us here, whether you raised your hand or not, but let's pray this prayer out loud together. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you rose again from the dead. 
because you love me, because you care for me. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my wrongs, of all my disobedience. Come into my heart. Change me. Make me a different person. Clean me. Give me a new slate, a fresh start today. I commit my life to you from this moment on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, let me just say, if you made that decision, it's the best decision you could ever make in your entire life. You know, one of the leaders probably saw you raised your hand after the service. They're going to maybe hand you a little booklet to kind of help you take some next steps. Be sure to talk with one of the leaders here today or, or myself. Oh, we'd love to connect you and help you on this new journey that you just started today because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.